Welcome back, everyone, to day two with me and Pastor Boyle as we watch YouTube Shorts. I hope you enjoyed the last program. We had a lot of fun covering those things. So we have a lot more videos we're going to try to get to. We're going to see if we can't get through these ones a little quicker and uh, debunk all the foolishness that is barfed forth from these people. And so uh, uh, if you missed uh, yesterday's program, you want to go make sure you watch that one first. Some of the arguments that you're going to see on here are going to be repeated. I have seen these, uh, but Pastor Boyle has not seen them yet. So uh, if we don't, if you if you didn't watch yesterday's program, you might wonder why we're not responding to certain things. It's because it's already been covered. So make sure you watch yesterday's program as well. So let's just jump right into this thing and go ahead and start the next video by another one by Doctor Gene Kim. Paul's gospel is simply believing on Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Anyone who adds to this gospel must be damned, even if it is an angel from heaven. Galatians 1, 8 reads, But though we, who are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. This brings up a problem in Revelation 14, 6a to 7a, which reads, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him. Weren't there times we Christians were guilty of not fearing God or worshiping God? That's clearly different from simply believing in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The answer is that the gospel in Revelation 14 is for tribulation saints, not Christians. Christians with Paul's gospel are not in the tribulation, so there's no contradiction. Assisting otherwise makes the Bible verses contradict each other. Wow. I, 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 that makes my blood boil. <laughs> it does. It's because, so bad. Uh, so I, I wrote an article back years, probably, oh man, it's probably 18 years ago. I wrote an article and it was uh, off of a book that's written. It's called Things That Are Different Are Not the Same mm-hmm. with the King James Bible. But I wrote in my article, Things That Are Not Different Are the Same. And I, I point out how they try to make differences of Jesus' gospel and Peter's gospel and, and the tribulational gospel. And you can find all through Scripture <clears throat> they are saying the same thing. If they're mm-hmm. not different, that makes them the same. Um, <clears throat> I find it interesting that he takes <clears throat> excuse me, Revelation 14 – to prove there's a new gospel coming on when the gospel's called everlasting. <laughs> it debunks it right there. <laughs> I know. It, it just it, it blows my mind with these people. It's like there's so many bad arguments that they make yeah. that literally their verses debunk their own argument. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15, they're always saying, well, our gospel, Paul's gospel, mm. is a death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. But what does it say? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Right. Not according what to my scriptures? gospel. Right. No, according to the scriptures. So that he was he was referring to the Old Testament. Right. That's right. what he was referring to. Yeah. So they're, the very verse that they go to is like this proof text literally debunks what they're teaching right there. Are, do they deny that he's referring to the Old Testament? It's the scriptures? Uh, it's just it, it's horrible. Well, and you know, I didn't realize this till I, I was out soul winning one time. I think it was in Puerto Rico, and dispensationalist a dispensational view came up from an unsaved person, and we I was trying to help him, you know, because he he says, "Oh, I believe in dispensations," and you know how sometimes weird things come up. 
But anyway, the guy wasn't saved, and I was moving back to salvation. But I thought about this. I thought, you know, if you're a dispensational believer and you're a soul winner, you almost have to teach dispensationalism when you come to someone who says, well, what about James 2? Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to say, oh, well, that's talking about work salvation in the future. And then what about, you know, in John 15 where he can remove you from the vine? Oh, well, see, you could. And now you're sitting there teaching, yes, yeah, see, that is works, but not for you. You almost have to teach dispensationalism at the door mm-hmm. when you're going soul winning because almost every lost person out there is hung up on some work-based passage of scripture that they're twisting when rightly dividing the word of truth if you dive in and you clearly look at the context it's not talking about losing your salvation Mm -mm. but they have to give it to them and say yes you could lose your salvation but we believe a different gospel i mean what a bunch of garbage yes that that really makes my blood boil yeah yeah and as it should it's just it you know it is uh it is a damnable heresy and and it does, but you know, it is consistent with dispensationalism, you know, and I'm tired of all these dispensationalists out there. Well, I, I'm a dispensationalist, but I'm not a dispensational salvation guy. Well, it's just like, well, the problem is if you're, you know, it's an error, you know, they didn't get there just overnight. Right. It's, you know, and errors lead to other errors. And, you know, they're someone who's dispensational and intellectually honest with themselves and they follow that infidelity, you'll end up believing in multiple mm-hmm. salvation you have to or you're going to have logical flaws in your in your belief well how about the fact that romans okay like these people would say it's okay to preach the romans road to people in this dispensation well here's the thing you go read all of romans not just the verses that we put in our gospel tracks paul is proving salvation without works by believing eternal security everything we believe about salvation he is using old testament scripture right. To back up what he's saying. And Old Testament <laughs> examples, David. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Abraham. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, Gene, Dr. Gene Kim is a heretic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I just, and he's weird. I don't know. I haven't really watched much of him other than you're now in, you're now introducing me to him. So. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's the gift that keeps on giving. All right, let's go and watch the next video. I am actually perplexed by the amount of people today who don't or no longer believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. The most common objection I get is that pre-trib rapture believers are so dumb to think they won't have to endure the tribulation. They say that Jesus specifically told us that we would have to endure tribulation, and that's true. But the difference is that he was not referring to the actual tribulation during the day of the Lord. You see, the tribulation within the book of Revelation is brought about by God's wrath upon the world, while all those who suffer tribulations before then are suffering as a result of persecution by those who hate God, or because of the fallen nature of our world. Well, he, he, so that would only prove our point. Right. Where he's saying, well, tribulation is just the wickedness of this world and people persecuting Christians. We, wh- what about the fifth seal of Revelation? It's the persecution of saints. Mm-hmm. So that's not, you're telling me that God is pouring out his wrath and the fifth seal of his wrath is persecuting saints here on earth? Mm-hmm. That's not the wrath of God, my friend. And when the wrath of God is finally revealed, that's when you have silence in heaven for a half hour. That's when you have the three woes of heaven where all of heaven says, whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's no doubt that that is the wrath of God. Those vials and trumpets are the wrath of God. The seven seals are not the wrath of God because you have saved people crying out for God to, to serve justice. Lord, how long before you finally settle this score? And then 
prior to that first trumpet sounding, there was a hold off because don't hurt the earth yet, which means he hasn't hurt the earth. Don't hurt the trees yet, which means he hasn't hurt those trees. That's the, that tribulation is not the wrath of God. Right. Yeah. You have the rise of Antichrist. That's not God's wrath. No. You have wars. We've always had wars. Yep. Famines. Pestilence. You have martyrs. We've always we've always had martyrs. We're currently having none of those things are God God's wrath. No. Though none of those things are supernatural. But then all of a sudden when we get to the sixth seal, where we have the sun dark and the moon turn to blood, you know, and then they And then it's the great day of his wrath is coming. Right. Then it's like they know. But even then, all we have is darkness, we have stars fall, we have uh, we have this cosmic event going on that's getting the world's attention that I believe happens with the coming of Christ, where Jesus Christ returns and he gathers us up, and then, yeah, they yeah. he pours his wrath out. So, and, and in this case, and in many cases, the assumption is, well, of course we're going to have tribulation, but the tribulation. Well, define that in yes. Scripture. Right. Show us where, oh, no, this is not for you. And then, you know, well, of course we're going to have tribulation. That's persecution. But the tribulation that God's talking about is wrath. Okay, where? Where does it say that? I can show you where it says it's not wrath, where it says that it's just the persecution of saints. And I can show you when the wrath is called wrath, we're clearly not there. Mm -hmm. So we are not appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation proves neither the pre-trib nor the post-trib. Right. Because we're both pre-wrath. Right. We believe the wrath of God happens after the midway point in the seven years, and they believe that the wrath of God happens at the beginning of those seven years. But I think it's very easy to just prove that it does not. It does not happen until the sun and moon are darkened. Then the great and terrible day of his wrath has come. Mm. Then who shall be able to stand? Right. And that and we some videos are going to be coming up on that, too. But again, you're defending Larkin's terms because tribulation is not in Daniel nine with Daniel 70 is weak. He doesn't use that no. word. But yet you insist, you know, all seven years of that is tribulation. In Matthew 24, it is used. That's where the term the tribulation comes from and great tribulation comes from. We do see it in there. And then shall be great tribulation. But it's after the tribulation of those days. So if we are forming our terminology from the scriptures Mm -hmm. and you insist on calling end times events tribulation, then yes, Matthew 24 is where it's at. But in Matthew 24, Jesus said after the tribulation, that's when the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood. That is the sixth seal. And, and that's what Joel says happens before the day of the wrath of right. God. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon right. and blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. So, again, what we are doing, when we, are, when we use Matthew's term or Jesus' term of tribulation, we're using it the way he did. We're explaining right. events before the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood. He does not use the term tribulation to explain the following events. And Matthew 24 doesn't describe the no. following events. It only takes you up to the coming of Christ, yeah, the coming of the Lord. And so I've uh, had people say, well, you know, why don't you? So in other words, you're mid-trib because what they, when they say tribulation, they think seven years. Mm-hmm. And so they say, oh, well, if you're post-tribulation, you're post-seven years. That's not what we're saying. We're saying the tribulation is not seven years. Mm-hmm. You won't find that anywhere. That the tribulation ends just after the midway point, and we believe post-tribulation is when the rapture happens pre-wrath. So it would make more sense for them to for us to say that we're mid-trib, but then we're 
defaulting to the fact that Larkin's definition of that right. seven-year period is all called tribulation, mm-hmm. and it's not. We're promised tribulation. We're not promised wrath. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 24, if you list all the events that Jesus said are going to happen prior to the, the coming of Jesus, it fits seal one, seal two, seal three of Revelation mm-hmm. in the exact order to the point where the sun and moon are darkened in the exact same spot. A multitude shows up, no man can number, is where Matthew 24 says, Then shall they see the sign of the Son of Man coming in heavens with great power. Then the wrath of God is poured out. So uh, the reason we're not mid-trib would be technically, biblically, that would mean halfway through the first half, Mm -hmm. a quarter of the seven years. Right, yeah. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, when they insist on calling us mid-trib, which they do, and they do it on purpose, uh, when you explain everything to them, it's like, so basically you're mid-trib. Well, basically, you're a Larkinite right? because you aren't using the terms of Jesus Christ the way he used them. Jesus said, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be turned to darkness, moon to blood. Larkin is the one who says seven years. Larkin does that. So you are a Larkinite. And maybe so, you don't know it. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, you don't they're, know you know, they're, Yeah, they're a Larkinite or they're, re- they're repeating Right. What they learned from Larkinite. So, yeah, I mean, I remember being in that camp, seven years of tribulation. It took me a while, but it was super easy to, 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 to debunk once I saw that the tribulation ends, according to Jesus, at the sun and moon being mm-hmm. darkened. And then you go and find out, literally, it tells you when the sun and moon are darkened, and we still have time, times, and half time left. Mm-hmm. So that tells you, okay, well, the tribulation ends halfway through. And so it's very easy to... It's, it's a study you could do on your own. Right. Absolutely. Well, and a lot of pre-tribbers are trying to make it out, too, like the sun being dark and moon turn to blood is an Armageddon thing. And they're, they're, right. they put it at the end of the seven years. But that's simply because they insist that Matthew 24 is talking about a seven-year period. Right. right. But you, there's no timeline in Matthew 24. None. No. You know, so the thing is, that doesn't work. But, uh, um, again, but when you mirror it, when you when you place it with the timeline in Revelation where it is a timeline, mm-hmm. 40 and two months, time, time, half time, 1260 days, 1290 days. When you do when you mirror it with that, it patterns time uh, event for event all the way to the three and a half year mark where the sun and the moon are darkened mm-hmm. and so forth. So when you use scripture, scripture, it's abundantly clear. And then Joel even makes it we've referenced many times already that the sun and moon are darkened before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and watch the next video. Another one oh, by well. Dr. Gene Kim. Do Christians go through the tribulation? The classic passage used is Acts chapter 14, verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. They use passages like this to prove Christians go through the tribulation. However, tribulation simply means hardship and struggle. It does not mean Christians go through the end time through the tribulation. If you look at the book of Judges, chapter 10, verse 14, it says, Go cry unto the gods, deliver you in the time of your tribulation. So does that mean Old Testament Jews go through the tribulation? Doesn't make sense. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says that you will have tribulation 10 days. So does that mean the end time tribulation is only 10 days long? See, Christians only go through hardship and struggles. They do not go through the end times tribulation. There is not one single passage in the entire scripture that shows that. <laughs> so it's it's you're you're defining your your um, definition of tribulation, and then it moves every time you need it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, the thing is, I've never used that verse in Acts no. to prove Christians go through the tribulation. Because, again, it's not about, 
you know, uh, the title, The Tribulation, that was something that the Bible scholars came up with. Right. And But, no, the reason people use that is to show tribulation is not the wrath of God. Christians go through tribulation. That is part of being a Christian. We endure tribulation. You know, we glory in tribulation. Right. You know, and so, but the thing is, they just keep on insisting, you know, the tribulation. But so we would agree with, you know, 90% of what he's saying. He's like, right. Well, see, they went through tribulation and hardships. That's what tribulation means. That's what we're saying it means. Yeah. You know what it doesn't mean? Wrath of God. Exactly. That's what it doesn't mean. And they have to prove that the tribulation that they're referring to is the wrath of God. All they're doing is proving our definition. Mm -hmm. It's not the wrath of God. Well, of course, Old Testament saints didn't go through the tribulation. Right. They went through tribulation. Mm -hmm. We go through tribulation. Now prove tribulation actually means the wrath. Right. We just use those to prove Jesus isn't slapping his bride when she goes through tribulation. So, again, Jesus did nothing in Matthew 24 when he talked about great tribulation. He did nothing to distinguish that tribulation right. from all the other tribulations in the Bible. Obviously, he was speaking of specific events, but there was nothing implied in there that says, now, this is a special kind of tribulation that's not for my people, meaning Christians. This is for the Jews. <laughs> you know, imagine, just, imagine dispensationalists that are facing that will face tribulation. If, you know, should the Lord come, and all these events take place in our lifetime, mm -hmm. okay? And they go to heaven and they're like, "Lord, I, you know, I thought I was," and He's going to be like, "Think it not strange, mm -hmm. you know that this I told you." The, the same thing He would tell someone who's facing tribulation a uh, hundred years ago. Look, mm -hmm. tri in the world ye shall have tribulation. Okay, so now. We agree on those terms. Now show us where the tribulation of Matthew 24 is not just tribulation, but wrath that we are promised to not have parted. Right. Yeah. And they, and they won't even try to do that. They can't. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's just it can't be done. So, again, they have to just do these other, you know, tribulation means distracting troubles things. and trials. Therefore, we know it doesn't mean the events of end time. Well, what are you calling the events of end time? Mm. Tribulation. Well, I don't. Yeah, anyway, I'm, I don't. I'm pretty sure Gene Kim. I mean, you know, shorts typically you have to try to think them out because you're trying to put a lot of information in 60 seconds. Right. But it's like I think he made those on the fly because he was just debunking himself throughout I, the video. I think that's their best. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. I guess that. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when you're trying to defend error. But yeah. let's go ahead and watch the next video. Because there are people say that there's no verse that speaks to the rapture of the church. It's not in the Bible. Well, no, you're not in the Bible <laughs> because I can give you, I'm going to give you two verses right here that prove the rapture's coming and you want to be ready. Here it is. Revelation chapter three, verse 10, because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world and to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast, which thou hast that no man take your crown. Mm -hmm. He's going to keep us not from the tribulation, right. from the hour of the mm -hmm. tribulation. Mm -hmm. And then I want to speak to what you just said here with First Thessalonians, which is which such a blessing. Chapter 1 and verse 10, where he commands us to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivers us from the wrath to come. Wow. So, yeah, we've already covered a lot of this, but again, yeah, the and there's a lot of people out there that have made videos talking about Revelation 3.10, where it says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee 
from the hour of temptation, which will come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. But define hour of temptation. Is, so are you are you saying the hour of temptation is the seven-year tribulation? Right. There, there, it doesn't say that. And no. <laughs> and so, but remember, these are the two verses he has that, because the Bible doesn't have any verses, he's going to show us two that he actually found to prove a pre-trib rapture. Mm-hmm. And neither of them say you're going to miss the tribulation and it happens before mm-hmm. the seven-year period. Neither right. one. Nothing. Uh, obviously, with the one referring that we're saved from the wrath to come— that is, I think, a pre-tribbers who is using verses like this to prove their point, they don't understand our point. Mm-hmm. And m- it might be because those that are preaching against a post-trib view are preaching as if we believe all seven years. Like we're facing the locusts and uh, the beast from hell and the smoke. And well, of course, we're not going to face that. So once again, if you can prove the wrath of God does not start until the trumpets and vials are poured out. And prior to that event is a multitude no man can number showing up in heaven. Well, then a verse like this is actually in our favor saying, you're right, we are not going to see the wrath of God. But you know what he did? He never said that we would not see tribulation. Right. Well, and, you know, and what about in John 18 or 17 verse 15 says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. So him keeping them in the hour of temptation, too, is just showing he's going to Mercy, yeah. protect them. Mm-hmm. But yet here, Jesus used the same language, and he specifically said, don't take them out of the world, but, you know, keep them from evil. Right. But yet, again, they just, you know, any, anything anything will work. You know, just as long as somebody says, hey, what about the, what they're saying this? And it's like if they just tell you something, oh, okay, good. My guru said it's okay. And again, but it's like, you know, those who are trying to be honest with scriptures, you know he proved nothing there. He did nothing to display that the tribulation is God's wrath. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. Right, well, let's go ahead and watch the next one. In Luke 17, when the Son of Man is revealed, Jesus paints a picture of business as usual. Jesus said, Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus must be talking about the time of the rapture here because under no circumstances can the second coming be described in those terms. Jesus said, For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. It will literally be the worst time in all of history. So, did I hear right? He's saying that that um, Luke chapter 17 is talking about the rapture. It has to be, right? Mm-hmm. So... That I think any pre-tribber would would backtrace that. Yeah, I know pre-tribber. Yeah, exactly. We like that. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, and and they and pre-tribbers say all the time it's going to be like in the days of Noah. Right. It's going to be like in the days of Lot. But wait a minute. He's so he and I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to make the argument because things are going to be so bad, it won't be a surprise. But wait a minute. Um, the world was filled with violence in the day before the flood came. Right. So, but so the Bible describes the earth being filled with violence, while also they're eating and drinking, giving in marriage. I mean, you know, look at, you know, so there, even in crazy times, there are there is still business as usual. Mm-hmm. Everybody pictures the tribulation is just like this movie of just nonstop action and bullets flying, and you know, but it's like no, there's going to be some places in the world where, you know, right. there's might be normal life going on. 
So let's just read. Let's just read the passage and just see if it really proves a pre-trib or a post-trib view. Okay. okay? It says in Revelation or Luke seventeen verse twenty-six, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Notice until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. So the the example is Noah was in the ark then. The wrath of God, right? And then verse 28. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot ent- went it out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, parallel that with Matthew 24, mm-hmm. which he referenced to again this great tribulation that follows this event. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we know we are taken out. Well, wait a minute. What what in the world is he talking about? He says the same day that Noah entered into the ark. So Noah entered, then wrath. Mm-hmm. Lot was taken out, and then wrath. You know what it doesn't say? Lot was taken out. Then there was three and a half years of false peace when the Antichrist mm-hmm. is instilled, and then three and a half years of God's wrath. Because even a pre-trib view, has to split the seven years into three and a half years, three and a half years. They're split time times half times, 40 and two months. I mean, every single time. And they're split knowing that there's a great tribulation is what they'll call it. Now, we don't believe that. Mm-hmm. It's, the tribulation ends when the sun and moon are darkened, as we said earlier. But they'll say tribulation, great tribulation. During the tribulation, there's a false peace, and the Antichrist is setting up his king. The same day that Noah was put in the ark, they set up a new king and had three and a half years of peace. While Noah was in the ark waiting for rain. No, this it, it rained. The same day Lot was taken out, it rained. So it fits the timeline given in Revelation where we see the tribulation. We see persecution. We see the wrath getting ready to pour out. And the angel says, wait, not yet. There is a multitude no man can number. And the same day we're raptured out, see, uh, trumpet one, vial one. Mm. Trumpet two, vial two. All the way. And it fits the exact narrative. The same day Lot was taken out is when the wrath was poured out. The same day we're raptured out in Revelation 7 is when the wrath begins to pour out. Yeah. So it's to me, this is this is uh, clearly in the favor of post-trip. Well, uh, absolutely. In fact, you know, it, it reveals and it shows that we are taken out before God pours out his wrath. You say, well, pre-trips can use that too. Well, actually they can't Mm-mm. because they say that's not the rapture. So this right. passage that shows be. we're not here for the wrath of God, you all can't use because you don't think this is the rapture. Right. But this is a passage showing us, no, the same day Noah got in the ark, God poured his wrath out. That's the key. Some people say, oh, that's in the days of Noah. And so there's going to be Nephilim in that day. And there, you know, <laughs> no going to all that nonsense. It's like, come on. No, that's not what it's about. It's about, about the same day when Noah got taken out or got protected, flood came. Lot gets taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah, fire and brimstone fall. We get taken out of the earth, God pours his wrath out on the earth. So pre-tribbers cannot use that verse if they are going to claim that Matthew 24 is not the rapture. So we have more scripture than you do to prove we're not here for God's wrath. Right. That's why I was asking when he first played, like, is he really saying this is the rapture? Because that helps us. Hey, this is actually great. Yeah. I don't know if that individual subscribes to Matthew 24 not being the rapture. And I know he was in, uh, you know, Luke there, which I I don't believe that was the Olivet Discourse passage. Mm -hmm. But but that's the same thing in the Olivet Discourse 
passage well, he where he said to, he referred to Matthew twenty-four. Yeah. Oh, he did refer to yeah, it in there. Yeah. The so, and verse. yeah, and because yeah, as in the days of Noah. So it's it's just it's talking about the same thing. Right. So yeah. So I, I just I love watching just preachers contradict the, themselves. But the clarity that comes from I remember the confusion back when I was pre-trib. These things would just stump me, and I'd have to hear the experts speak on it, and then it would be clear again, and then I would mm-hmm. forget. But here, where we're not even shaken, like literally, it's not that we're arrogant, um, you know, because both I, I believe you have a pre-trib background too, mm-hmm. like so we both come out of that, and we're it's more like the clarity of mind. So we look back on it as foolish and thinking, could I be that foolish? And we were. Um, and so I would just encourage you, you know, if you're watching this and you, you don't understand, study it out for yourself. And when you can finally see it for yourself, there's really nothing anybody can say beyond mm-hmm. that. It's just things like this only solidify even more. Yeah. So looks like we've only got, I think, two more or three, three more left. Let's see if we can knock these ones out real quick. All right. Let's go ahead. Let, let's let's do a speed round on this. All right. We'll try our best. Before they say, well, the church has always been persecuted, so therefore the tribulations are different. No, it's extremely different because Jesus said it would be a time like never before. So there is a clear uh, distinguishment there between modern-day tribulation and the seven-year tribulation, which is also God's wrath. So, Very weak, very weak. That's just, that just implying a certain motivation among those who believe in pre-trip, and it's, that is not our motivation. Our motivation is... What does the Bible actually teach? And I challenge them. The Bible has a lot of passages on the tribulation and the ecclesia, or in Hebrew, the kehillah, but the church is not mentioned a single time. And whether you're mid-trip or three-quarter trip or post-trip, you cannot produce a single verse in any tribulation context that mentions the... So, yeah, now, because we need to get through these, he mentions the church not being mentioned, Okay. Let's hold off on commenting on that one because there's going to be another one, uh, one of these final ones. I'm not sure which one. It kind of mentions the same thing, and, right. and so uh, we'll we'll get to that one because that is a, that's another dumb argument. Yeah. You know, that they'll use the, that the church is not mentioned, even though it is written to seven churches too. But he 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 says that there's no verse saying that we're going to go through the great tribulation, right? Well, let me just say this: every time tribulation is mentioned in the Bible, it tells us we're going through it. So then you actually need a verse telling us that, one, this one's different in, in the fact that we're actually promised not to go through it and that it is the wrath of God because he says clearly it's the wrath. Uh, that's still the subject here. Mm-hmm. You haven't proven that. Right. We can show where it's not the wrath. Saints are being persecuted. Wrath is being held back. Then when it's poured out, it's poured out after a rapture takes place. Mm-hmm. Whether it's us or not, is what they, they won't agree that it is. But, you know, we believe that it's every t- tribe, kindred, tongue, people, nation, mm-hmm. people on the planet, all the saved. That's our rapture where we show up in heaven, then the wrath of God. So right. it's interesting that he says, well, we need a verse to prove our point when actually every – look up – do a word search, tribulation. You're, it's promised to us. We're going to go through it. Well, and you mentioned earlier in Revelation, uh, in Revelation 6 on the fifth seal – how the you have the martyrs saying, "How long, O Lord, does right. not avenge our blood?" I mean, why didn't Jesus say, "What do you think I've been doing for the last four seals?" You know, but no, it's because he has he wasn't pouring his wrath. He's telling him to wait because he's saying it's not yet. Right, it's not, not yet. time yet. So that doesn't sound like wrath of God. That sounds like God saying, "Hey, wait." Yep, exactly. All right, let's go and watch the next one.
Who are the saints that are mentioned in the midst of the tribulation in the book of the Revelation? Well, you must understand that Revelation is the 66th book. There are 65 books preceding it. So if you want to understand who the saints are, it would be good to see what book, what passage is it quoting here in the book of Revelation. And it's probably a direct reference to the book of Daniel, where it speaks of the Antichrist wearying the saints, it's referring to God's chosen people. There have been saints throughout millennia, throughout generations and dispensations. And that's who it's referring to, those who have given their lives to Christ during the tribulation and who are attempting to minister the gospel during that time, those are the saints mentioned in Revelation. That kind of goes back to your Jude reference. Right. Which was once delivered unto who? The so if you're going to say the saints prove the Old Testament, well, then we just prove that the, it was deli- the gospel was delivered unto the, the, the saints. Right. So, so. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 jotted, I put down a few scriptures in, in special order, okay? All right. Where I kind of, we kind of work backwards. And I, I just want to display something here because he just tells you it's probably talking about the saints from Daniel, right? And and he says that so he can make it about the Jews, right? But so re- that was Revelation where it talks about the saints, first the saints. Right. Let's go back one book, Jude. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you in the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Interesting. He, he said, well, that's the Jews. Okay, I believe the Jews had the gospel and the, and the faith. All right, all right. Let's let's go to Hebrews. Who's Hebrews written to? That's written to Jews, right? Oh, uh, says Hebrews thirteen twenty four. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Okay, so it's still just Jews, right? You know, even though they're saved, it's like maybe you have to be a Jew to be a saint. Well, let's keep reading. Philemon, one five. Hmm. Hearing of thy love. And faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus, and toward all saints. That's a little iffy because that's a Pauline epistle, right? But maybe he was supporting the Jews. Mm. Maybe doesn't say for sure. Maybe he's supporting the Jews right there. Um, let's go to uh, Ephesians. Oh boy, six eighteen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He's just commanding the pray, church to pray, pray for, for the, the pray for the Jews. <laughs> oh, okay. Pray for the Jews, right? Or maybe the saved Jews, right? He still could be about the Jews, saints, right? Maybe, all right. We're still holding out hope. This is just about Jews, right? Well, Ephesians five three, but fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints. <laughs> That's going to be a tough one to make about the Jews right there. Looks like he's calling this church saints. Um, Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. This is about the church. Right. These are the, the gifts that God gave to the church for the perfecting of the saints. The saints. Uh-oh, Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens mm. with the saints. Oh, man, he's referring to Israel of old and we're fellow and citizens. the church and yes. we're fellow citizens with the saints. How do you make the saints not about the church? So, so again, they're the timeline though, that they have is saints, church, saints. And that is, that's filtering everything. Everything they believe filters through that timeline. There's only one problem. That timeline's nowhere in scripture. No, that's crystal clear. That's just that we just read scriptures. Now you have to produce the evidence that says, Oh no, no, no. The saints are different than the believers. Where does it say that? Because it sure sounds like we're the saints. Well, and here's the other thing, too. And I think most preachers would agree with us on this. 
we understand we don't believe in a universal church. Right. We believe in churches. Like in Revelation, he's writing to seven churches. Right. Well, during this time, they're not just going to be persecuting individual churches. They're going to be persecuting. Right. Well, what should we call them? Since it's not just churches, they're going after saved people. Mm, what's another a, word well, for that? Yeah, what would be a good word to explain? Oh, yeah, saints. <laughs> right? Because, it, it, again, that's it's right. not about persecuting individual churches. Right. That's just the scriptures being consistent mm-hmm. in its language again. So, yeah. so right there, you, they're making kind of a straw man argument. Well, the church. Wait, so do you believe in the universal church now? Are you universal church people? Because the church isn't mentioned, but saints are, and it is, it's going, they're going after all the saved. They're going after all those who won't take the mark. And so it's not going to call it the church there because it's no single church or even group of churches is getting targeted. No, it's going after the saved, right? That's who it's going after. So, sorry. So I believe we have, do we have one more video? All right, let's do our final video. Now, the church is the bride of Christ, so he's not going to let his bride go through any part of that mm-hmm. tribulation. Therefore, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as Paul is very clear, we are caught away. We are caught up to be with Christ in the clouds because he does not come down to the earth at that point. We meet him in the air. And then there's a judgment seat of Christ for us in heaven. And then mm-hmm. there's a tribulation, Daniel's 70th week on earth, seven years on earth. And so the rapture of the church is pre-tribulation because we're the bride of Christ. He's going to get us out here before hostilities start. Yeah. Because definitely the tribulation is a time of hostilities. Mm-hmm. And he's dealing then with the Jew and the Gentile on earth right. uh, as they walk through that time. Wow. And and this just kind of it, it mirrors everything we've seen so mm-hmm. far. And I realize these are shorts. But they're basing on a lot of assumptions. Yes. Well, God certainly wouldn't let his bride go through trouble. Well, explain what's going on in the world today. Well, Explain the martyrs of old. Yeah, he said it's a time of hostility. So did what the disciples go through, was that not hostility? Did Paul not go through hostilities? I mean, the church has always, churches have always gone through hostilities. Always. That's absolutely ridiculous. So, no, it can't, the bride... They're they're painting an image in people's mind. It's like this prosperity gospel type stuff where the bride of Christ is only going to have good and wonderful things happen. And you know what a big part of the problem that we have in this modern pre-tribulation age and that I believe the pre-tribulation doctrine helped start a lot of this. There is no longer a hunger and a focus on purity and righteousness. We just have this escapist mentality we just want to get out of all of our problems where if you look in the scriptures, they had a desire to be like Christ and right. to be pure. And we, we don't takers of his suffering. Exactly. Right. We don't have that anymore. And so people have this attitude like we are obligated to not go through anything. It's like that is so inconsistent with everything. Yeah. So the, the, these arguments that people are making that tribulation is God punishing his bride. It makes Absolutely no sense. This is another thought that just kind of crossed my mind is, you know, they're they're in the in the dispensational mindset. It's Jew, which is the apple of God's eye, the church age, which is whosoever will. And it's going to go back to the apple of God's eye. We who are the whosoever will stage, 
are never going to face tribulation, but the apple of God's eye will. (laughs) Because God loves us. He would not let us go through that. But the apple of God's eye will. Yeah, he who toucheth you toucheth the apple of God's eye. So they can be touched. (laughs) You know they're the apple of God's eye and are apparently better than us. But, you know, that's it, using their narrative against them. We mm. obviously don't believe that narrative. We believe that we will go through tribulation, and it's not a, it's not a question at all of the love of God. Mm-hmm. It's it, God's telling us, hey, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. And so what he's telling us is not – it's tribulation, if you're facing it as an individual, as a nation, as a church, as a family – you should never doubt or question the love of God. Mm-hmm. That is not what it's ever been about. But if you're in the wrath of God, well, obviously that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Saved will never saved Old Testament, saved New Testament. We're not going to face the wrath of God. We will be raptured out of that point, then the wrath of God. So yeah. it's just interesting that, oh, well, no, we would never go through tribulation. God loves us. Well, then who is? The apple of God's eye goes through tribulation. <laughs> God must not love them. But yeah. And tribulation worketh patience. Right. Tribulation produces good things. It's a good thing if we could be purified, you know, before we meet the Lord. Yeah. It's a good thing. We'll be glad that we did. None of us are going to regret it. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel bad asking somebody to go out and dig a ditch all day if I knew I was going to pay him $100 an hour. You know, I'd dig a ditch for $100 an hour. If I know the payoff is going to be good, now maybe they don't know, but if I know I'm not feeling guilty the whole time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna more than compensate these people. God knows what he's how he's going to reward us. He knows we all are going to be glad we endured those tribulation, and we're yeah. probably going to wish we'd have done a little bit more. Yeah, Paul when, even calls it a light affliction when it's right. compared to the eternal weight of glory. Yep, and yeah. so it is. It is. I think it's a terrible thing to teach people that something's wrong if they go through tribulation. Yeah, it's a question of God's love for you. That's why even in 1 Thessalonians 4, it ends with, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I've heard pre-tribulationists say, oh, well, post-tribulation rapture is not very comforting. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Who needs comfort? Mm -hmm. People who are living on the beach with a a glass of lemonade, sipping it, or someone going through tribulation needs comfort. Right. The comfort is the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. Endure to the end because your Savior's coming. Absolutely. But... Well, hey, that's all we have time for, and we, I think, more than destroyed all these videos, and uh, I, I wasn't trying to just pick easy ones. You know, I was just trying to get somewhat of a variety, but everybody had the same arguments. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many Revelation 3.10 ones I came across, and just people saying the same things, and so I uh, just kind of picked some, picked some random ones there, but appreciate you doing this with me. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And... Uh, and so I appreciate everyone watching this and hope you'll spread the word and get this out there. And uh, we appreciate you watching all these programs. So we will see you all next time. God bless.